to the E3 podcast where we encourage, educate, and empower female entrepreneurs. I'm Melissa Johnson, and I have a mission to help female business owners um, transform their lives and their business. On this show, I'll be interviewing female entrepreneurs that are moms, that are business owners, and we're taking a deep dive into the struggles that they're having in their business and coming up with some great solutions on how they can transform their business and their life. So thank you so much for joining the show today. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and we're going to jump right in. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the E3 podcast. I'm excited to have Sharon Vornholt on today, somebody that I have um, looked up to for a while and got to know better recently. And I think she's awesome. And welcome, Sharon. Thank you for being on. Well, thank you for having me, Melissa. So much fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this because we've been talking a lot about girl power. So kind of want to dig into that today. But before we do that, you want to just share a little bit about who you are and kind of what you've done over the years? And Sure. Um, I had another business in 1991. I had a home inspection business, another male-dominated field. And uh, so about... Long about, so that started that in 1991. Long around 1998, um, I knew I had gotten to know a lot of agents through that business. And one of them said, you want to go to a re meeting with me? And I said something like, what's a re meeting? <laughs> so she, she said, oh, it's about investors. And that was really and truly my first, um, the, a light bulb went off that there was another way to be in real estate and not be a realtor. So I started going to those meetings and fast forward more than 20 years, it's still, I still, I still go. It's the way I learned real estate, but I kept on, uh, kept my first business and I invested part-time for 10 years till 2008. And I did a mix. I had a plan where I would do um, a rehab, get some money and buy a rental. So I kind of limped along because the other business was very demanding. So I did that for 10 years and, uh, then we all know what happened in 2008. So yep. it was the time I thankfully I closed the home inspection business and went into real estate full time. And that's when I became an accidental wholesaler. Because if you remember back to that time, nobody, uh, your in buyers couldn't get a mortgage. And I had a couple of houses that I intended to rehab. And I thought, gosh, I'm going to rehab these and then they're going to sit for Lord only knows how long. So somebody can actually get a mortgage. And that's when I called up uh, some of my real estate investor friends and said, do you want to buy these houses? And they went, sure. And I thought that was easy. (laughs) So that was really the first time I had ever wholesaled a house. I was an investor for 10 years and never wholesaled a house. But then I just kept on, um, you know, in 2010, I started my blog and I started podcasts. And over the years, while I still do some investing, I, I've moved over to the education side because I'm very passionate and have been for more than 20 years getting women into this business. And uh, thankfully, we talked about this before. I've seen a big change in the past few years. Yeah. So what do you notice it's different now than before for women in this business? Well, for one thing, um, the RIA groups were by and large, if we had a big RIA group. So if I looked around um, 
there would be maybe 400, 450 people there at times. And by and large, they were, they were men. Now there would be some women there. They would mostly be with their husbands while there were a few, what I would call, and people actively investing. That wasn't the norm. So it was, um, it was very much a good old boys club. And I, I don't know that they designed it that way, but that's certainly the way that it was. Mm-hmm. So recently, the past couple of years, I've seen more women's groups. We've started women's groups. You, you and I lead women's groups. But there is so much more opportunity. It was not widely accepted. This is going to be hard for some young people to believe. But it was not widely accepted that women could do this business 20 years ago. It was kind of a, oh, okay, honey, here's you. You go over here and buy this house. Good luck on that. It was kind of that mentality. So I like to tell people, I just, I was aware of what was going on on the fringes and the thoughts. And I just kind of charted my own course and, and went forward without, that's just really what I did. That's a difficult thing to do because I remember that too. I mean, I've been in for 17 years now, so not quite as long, but long enough. Yeah. And, um, and I remember it being like that too. Like, I don't remember any women real estate investors other than I think I told you Robin Thompson was like Mm -hmm. the only person that I could ever find or knew anything about that was actually doing real estate. It was all men Mm -hmm. and it was, it was very different than, than it is now. It was a lot, like you said, you know, just, Hey, there, little lady. Can I talk to your dad? Can I talk yeah, to your husband? Your husband. Yeah. Yes. And Robin Thompson, the curious thing is I actually went to a couple of Robin Thompson's events back when she was in Connecticut, Waterbury, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And even then the women, the few women that were there were mainly there with a spouse it wasn't like you and me um, because I, I, it was just different, but Robin was a trailblazer for sure. And uh, she was a role model for me for sure, especially because I was rehabbing back then. Yeah, me too. I remember listening to all her videos and stuff and having all my notes about, I needed to put red mulch, you know, (laughs) which is not the thing anymore, but (laughs) in the red front door, you know, that good old like early 2000s stuff. But she was really the only person. I mean, there's so many more out there now that that are getting exposure and and just getting out there now and talking about what they're doing and sharing and teaching and being in the education space, not just men. Yes. So I think that that's, um, that's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. I even wrote a blog post probably about a year ago, did a podcast called the, the face of real estate. Uh, the new face of real estate is female. And I think, I think women are making their mark. Um, I don't think it's men look at it as it being an odd thing anymore, necessarily. Certainly the more um, modern men don't look at it, but there are still a lot of those old biases still around. Um, I like to say that I was never treated differently or badly, but the door to the good old boys club was only cracked. It was never really open for the women and they really didn't take us seriously. And that's just the way it was. That's true. And I find that don't, don't you find that's more like in the investor world, because it seems like 
women could only be realtors at that time. Yes. Like there was a million female realtors, mm -hmm. but nobody was really in the investing space, mm -hmm. which is like a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different thing. And even, um, even the women at that time, um, you don't know what you don't know when you start out. And we had a, a couple of uh, female realtors that worked with investors in our REA group. And I just assumed that because they were there, they really knew what a good deal was. And I was brand spanking new in my first couple of houses. I paid too much for them. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I never lost money on them. But they really had been. And when I look back on the whole experience, it was partly because they too were excluded from the inner circle. They, they thought they knew what they knew, but really and truly, they didn't. There was, there was like this piece of knowledge over here that we didn't get. We got this part, but then there was the real meat of the stuff over here. So is there, um, hold on a second. Why are you in here? <laughs> Go find some, I told you I'm filming. You can't come in here right now. Yes, close the door. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, thank God for editing, right? I know, <laughs> this will be edited. Don't do that again. I told you not to come in. I'm filming. Ugh. This child, I swear. <laughs> I'm just like, I know I told you like five times, don't come in when I'm filming. And he just busts in the door, riding a skateboard. Like, anyway. It's okay. So, um, Okay. So what do you feel like, what, what were some challenges that you feel like you faced early on being a female getting into, into investing? Well, for one thing, um, one thing that comes to mind was um, with contractors, contractors, um, like we talked about this before, they'd be looking for your husband or your male partner or First And first of all, with the RIA, uh, if you go to your RIA group and ask for referrals, they would give you the ones that didn't work out for them. They, they, own, they didn't give you their best contractors. But even then, some of the contractors, I, I look back on it today in amazement that they just really didn't want to work with women. They really, and not only that, they thought they could take advantage of women. Mm -hmm. So that's one place where my home inspection background served me well when somebody would tell me something that just wasn't true. Well, we've got to upgrade this panel box, yada, yada, yada. And I go, no, we don't. It's a 200 amp service. No, we don't. And they would look at me like, well, how do you know that? But it was all kinds of weird things like that. And that wasn't certainly every contractor, but there are always those contractors out there that well, they try to take advantage of you. But I think they looked upon women in those days, 20 years ago, as easy prey. Mm -hmm. So how did you kind of work through that with them? Did you just, were you firm with them? How did you handle that situation? Well, generally speaking, um, I made it a policy to always get three bids. Even if I knew I had a favorite, I always got three bids because I wanted them to know that um, I was smart enough to keep them honest. And I would say I didn't have any problem um, calling code enforcement. We would had dealt with code enforcement over the years with home inspections. While we didn't do a code compliant inspection, 
you were expected to know if a furnace was improperly installed. Makes absolutely no sense, but that's the way it was. So if there was ever a question, I would just say, well, I'm going to check with Chuck down at code enforcement and I don't want to make sure we're both making the right decision. I did. I, I was, I never wanted to get into an adversarial relationship with any of them. I didn't want, want to do that. But at the same time, and I still think this is true today for women, you, you don't want to be known at, or you don't want to come across as a pushover. You do have to draw a line in the sand sometimes mm -hmm. and say, no, we're not going to do that. Or that's, that's not what I had in mind. And, no, I don't want to take this wall out. I want to take that wall out or whatever the situation is. You have to maybe stand your ground is a better term. Yeah, that's good advice too. Cause I think um, that's an area where a lot of women struggle in this mm -hmm. business is managing contractors because mm -hmm. for all those reasons you mentioned, you know, they don't always take you seriously. They don't think you know what you're talking about and, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to navigate that, you know? Well, and I think part of that is just like, kind of like what you were saying, like you have, you know, like you're getting multiple bids. Mm -hmm. You're showing that you've got some knowledge that you've done your homework, that you are setting expectations with them ahead of time. Yeah. And I would tell them, you know, even when I had one that I was a contractor, I was using pretty regularly. What here's another thing I always said, I have, I didn't have a business partner, but I would always say I have a silent business partner and we, we set up certain standards for our business. And I would use that same thing on contracts when they would say, well, you know me, you really don't want, I don't really have to put down X number of dollars as earnest money. And I would say, yes, I know you, I trust you, but you know, my money partner over here, we just, for, we have a way of running our business that works for both of us. And I think you can go back to that and you can say, no, it's not, it's not the way we run our, run our business. And, and much like fair housing laws, we want to be the same across the board with everybody. Mm -hmm. And they have a hard time disputing that argument, quite frankly. That makes a lot of sense. Contractor dealing with that stuff is just, is just really difficult in of itself, I think for men and women, but yes. then you've got that extra layer of, you know, trying to overcome some like preconceived notion, I guess, that they have of you that you don't know what you're talking about. And, mm -hmm. you know, that you're just a silly little woman out there. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's by no means everybody, but, mm -hmm. you know, it is something that you run into. And I don't know that men run into that situation as often. Oh, I don't think they, I don't think they do. And I think I know, I know you're an introvert and I was always introverted and it was very hard for me, but I think it's, it really is true. You, you got to show up, stand up straight, show up with confidence and, and actually speak in a manner that you know what you're talking about. And this might be a case of fake it till you make it. I mean, you certainly have to know what you're talking about. But if you don't feel confident and your demeanor is meek, then you're, they're going, men, you know, people in general can spot that. So I think you have to just kind of get rid of your inner introvert mm -hmm. and show, show up a little bit differently. And when I talk to people and they're having trouble having conversations with sellers and negotiation and all of that kind of thing, 
I tell them very much the same thing. I, I want to challenge you to think about it differently. If you're getting ready to go into a negotiation, when you, for, or let's back up before that, you, you go to a house and you're going to talk to a seller. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, I just can't do this negotiation thing. I can't make this offer. Well, your job is to go there, build rapport, uh, get to know them, and find out truly what their problem is. And I mean really listen. There's a thing of listening with what's the next thing going to come out of my mouth, and then there's really listening and pausing a moment. Mm -hmm. But if you can discover what their problem is, what they really need, then don't think of it as negotiation. Think of it as looking for a solution that works for both of you. And that one simple mindset shift will allow you to make offers and then to justify your offers with, you know, we're a reputable company. And I used to tell people, do I look like I swing a hammer? No. Um, <laughs> I, I use uh, contractors, licensed contractors. And that's to ensure that, that my buyer gets a good, solid rehab. And I think there are ways that you can explain it that make you look knowledgeable and people go, okay, I really wanted this much, but I see why I can't get that much. So I think some, some things with women is we need to, things that men have always known how to do, we have to learn to do, but maybe a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. I think it's using our own skill set too, because, yeah. you know, when you think about, about women, and I know we've kind of touched on this too when we were talking like we can't, we approach things differently just by nature. You know, we are more empathetic. We are more emotional, you know, yes. as much as we don't want to be sometimes. Yes. Um, I mean, that does happen. And so how do you, um, you know, how do you stay true to being a woman, you know, without fully, you know, mm -hmm trying to act like a man. I, I don't know, like being in a man's world, but still re retaining that femininity about yourself. Yeah. I think it, I, I think this all goes back to branding. So in real estate, marketing is how you get leads. It's how you, how you start out, but branding is all about why they choose you. And I believe firmly at the end of the day, you have to be yourself. If you are nurturing or softer, you can be softer spoken, but be authoritative. But I don't think any woman wants to show up as a man. And I think really a woman's empathy and the way they think about things is a definite edge. So I would challenge all women to don't think you're less than a man who is 100% comfortable going out there slapping a contract on the counter. Think about all the skills that you have from being a woman, from being a mom, or being maybe a caretaker for your elderly parents. You have skills that don't come naturally to men in most cases. And I would say capitalize on those skills. Just really stop and think about the fact that you can use those to your advantage. I like that. That's smart. And I think that is a good way to you know, still be a woman and use those gifts that we have. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's something I have trouble with sales too. And we talked about that. I struggle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know sales is like, Oh, it's so difficult. Mm -hmm. And the hard part for me is, you know, asking for the close at the end. I feel mm -hmm. like I, I always do a good job at building rapport and I feel like I listen and I understand the situation. But then when it comes time to make that push, 
mm-hmm. that that is hard because you know a lot as women I don't think we're built to be super pushy all the mm-hmm. time either I mean I know there's plenty of aggressive women out there but <laughs> you know I guess you are when you need to be but you know how how do you kind of overcome that at the end you know when you've done all the good work that's played onto your talents but then you get to that point where it's time to you know call to action now well, I do this thing calling changers, changing sellers' expectations, and you can teach this if you've got an acquisitions person. This all, this all goes back to when I was answering all my own phone calls, which I did for a long time because I felt like if I could be the one to, to really find out their motivation, I had a better chance of getting the deal over my male counterparts. So mm-hmm. I kind of made it into a, to a game. So I would begin to change their expectations on the phone. I would say, what was it you were hoping to get for your house? And when they would say, oh, $100,000, and the house down here just sold for $100,000, and I always had the tax assessor's fight build up. If you're a realtor, you can have, you could have the, you could real quick have another screen or another tab with that pulled up, and you could say, oh, well, I see that that house was fully renovated. Uh, let's talk about the condition of your house. So you start to circle back and you start to have this conversation of, well, yes, it did sell for that. So right on the phone, I start to say to them, I want them to know when I show up at the door, they're not going to get what they were hoping for mm-hmm. because we've already kind of talked about the repairs. And I don't I learned to go out and listen and then I, without talking badly about the property, you don't ever want to do that. But um, a question I would always ask them is if you were going to buy this house, let's say it was listed and you were going to buy, what are the things you would want to have repaired in this house? Now, maybe they just told me the, the hardwood floors are fine and the furnace is fine. They would go, oh, well, I would want new hardwood floors and I would want XYZ. I would just let them spill it all out. And then I would say, uh, I agree with you completely. And that's what uh, a first time home buyer is going to want. Also, this is a first time buyer level house. They're not going to have a dime left by the time they make their down payment. They're not going to have any money left to put a furnace in in three years. If this furnace actually lives out its life expectancy of 20 years, and I would just have that conversation with them and start to say, and they'd say, well, it's, if you, and I would say the repairs are going to be like maybe $30,000. Well, I could get them, I can put that sink in cheaper and I'd say, yes, you can. And that's an option. If you want to do all the work yourself, then you can get this price over here, put your money and your time in. Then they would go, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, then, then we've got to get a contractor, but I think it's, once again, it's hearing their point of view and saying, well, you can do that, but, and then you say, you go back to your point of view. But it, at the end of the day, I always, the only way I made it through, because I was just like you, I was terrible at sales, was to figure out what their problem was and what was their problem in addition to wanting to sell the house, because there usually is another problem. Mm-hmm. They may have liens or taxes or maybe having family fights, if you can find out what their, their true motivation is, then you have a much better chance of helping them. And um, I would always just explain my offer. And one thing you need to learn to say to people is, 
you know, this is my business. And much like you go to job, go to your job and get a paycheck. I have to be able to get a paycheck. So I have to be able to make a profit. But I think if, I think if you can learn to put it all out there in, in, I like to call it women's terms, mm-hmm. in the way they explain things, people, whether they, even if they don't like your offer, they can accept where it came from. And then the other piece of advice I would say is never leave the house uh, without leaving the door open. So what I used to say to people is if they would say, no, I'm not taking that offer. Uh, first of all, about 80% of your deals will come from follow-up. And that's mm-hmm. often after they've said no. So remember that. But And they're likely going to throw your business card right in the garbage can the moment you walk out the door. So I always um, would say to them, just in case your plan A doesn't work out, and I, and I wish you all the very best on getting what you want for the house, could I maybe be your plan B and keep you on my mailing list? And they go, sure. By, you, by that time, they're already not quite as mad at you because mm-hmm. you've made a lowball offer. And then I would always send them a thank you note when I, afterwards, especially if they told me no. I would send them a thank you note with another business card because I was certain they'd already thrown the other one away. And yes, you do need business cards even in the digital world. But um, I had a lot of success getting people to come back when they didn't sell the house or the person who made the better offer couldn't close or, you know, there's a million reasons why the deal can fall apart. Yeah, for sure. Follow up. That's, I'm glad that you said that. Cause that is huge. That's been, um, that's been a big part of, of our business too, is just mm-hmm. having a good follow up. Cause like you said, stuff falls out all the time, mm-hmm. you know, there, it may be a no for now, but that doesn't mean it's a no forever right. either. And so we like to circle back to those. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other reason for, for follow-up too is say, even though they say maybe they did sell the house. Well, we still follow up anyway, because we want to know, okay, who bought the house? Mm-hmm. What did they pay for it? Do right. they want to be on our buyer's list? And, you know, that right. we look at that as just an opportunity to grow the buyer's list also. So that's kind of the other side of that too. Yeah. So it's like, Maybe you didn't get the deal, but find out who did. Made sure that it did close. You know, even if they say, I've got another offer, I've already went with somebody else. Until it's closed, done, recorded in the books, it's not yes, done. It's not, it's not done. Yep. Stuff falls out at the closing table all the time. Yes, it does. Or they get mad at somebody. <laughs> and I think the other um, good thing that you said too that's important to remember is to be yourself. And that you don't have to be the loudest lion in the room to get the deal. You know, we got, we've got so many deals from people that have said, you know, you weren't the highest offer, but we liked you better. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was purely based on emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a good feeling, you know, and then we were able to back that up with credibility also. You yes. Know, better Business Bureau. We've been in business for 17 years. We've bought, you know, thousands of houses in the area and helped people you know, in the same situation as you. So I think when you can tie all those things together, um, helps you be really successful. Branding and credibility are huge. And I tell people, you, they'll say, I don't need a website, you know, and I'm always saying, yes, you do, because people, that's the first place they're going to look for you is online. They're going to check you out online. Oh, yeah. And you should start building a brand from day one, because at the end of the day, it is an emotional decision. 
You may find a person every now and then that they're only going with the numbers, but it's been my experience that's not the case. It's exactly what you said. It's an emotional decision. It's based on uh, a lot of things, but the no like, and trust thing. And do they feel like you can close the deal? Mm-hmm. There are people that come in with all these wacky offers and um, don't, get, don't get hung up in those. The numbers are the numbers. Real estate is a numbers game. So yes. if it's, it has to be a good deal or you, you need to know when to walk away. But don't, like Melissa said, don't think that that's the end of it because how many times has the, this low ball person that had an idea they were going to try to wholesale the house and then all the other investors say, no, you paid too much, dude. Yep. Sorry. And then it's suddenly they're, co- they're calling you back. So always, always leave the door open to go back. For sure. Good advice. So on that note, since we're winding down our time, but do you have any specific advice that you can give to women who either want to get into business for themselves or maybe they have a business just getting started and they're just having some trouble getting traction, just some kind of mindset advice that you can give to help overcome that? Well, like I said, I really believe women are uniquely qualified for this business. They are, they are really good at talking to people. And oftentimes I do a lot of work with probates. So oftentimes what they want is they just want to be heard. They want to, um, they want to talk about what's going on in their life. So be a good listener, be educated, always be educating yourself because to this day, I still, and I know you do, we still go to seminars. We belong to masterminds. We never stop learning, but surround yourself with other women. They um, can help you deal with some of the unique challenges that you will face in this business. And they've, they've had a lot of the problems that you, you think you're going to have down the road. And they can maybe help you sidestep those things completely, the roadblocks that you find. It's not nearly as hard as what we all make it out to be in our minds. So mindset is huge. And your, your people that you surround yourself with, they can help tremendously with your mindset. I agree. I agree. I, I don't feel like I could do half of what I do without support mm-hmm. and especially just other women. And I've been so lucky. I'm sure you too. Yes. been lucky to get to know some really amazing women that have just been super supportive of everything that we do and mm-hmm. share things and, and everything. And that's women are really good about sharing too. Um, it's not, everything is not such a secret. You know, they're more than happy to help with uh, your problems. And they understand, too, when you're having a really rough time, you, you need someone you can call up and, and that'll talk you back off the ledge because it is going to be okay. Yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> nope. And it's part of any business. It's not just real estate. It's, it's any business. But having the support system, I think, Finding your people, your tribe. Mm-hmm. You need to find your tribe of like-minded people. And uh, I think it's good if you have people at your level, people a little bit above, and then people a little bit below so that you can help those, bring those people along. For sure. I love that. Mm-hmm. One of my quotes that I have in my office is, we rise by lifting others. And I always oh. try to keep that in mind. I love that. Yes. Yes. I do think that's a big part of it. And I think 
The other benefit that is you, you don't really think about getting a benefit from it, but is that you begin to feel better and more confident when you're able to help someone else. You, mm-hmm. you go, okay, I do have skills, darn. Yeah, and you don't realize how much you know, right? I, I always find that happening, you know, and it, it sometimes it's just something really small, but and you're having a conversation with somebody and they're asking you about it and you start talking and then you realize, I know a more about that than I really thought I did. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's kind of a cool thing. And sometimes somebody from a generational thing can have a huge impact on you because they've not got all the preconceived notions that we, we have adopted over the years. And um, I went on a, I went to look at a house one time with an investor who was younger than my children. And um, he it was a house in an area I didn't buy in, but I said, I'll, I'll go with you. And he bought, it was what I call like a C, C might be saying it up in the other little bit in the level, but it was a neighborhood I didn't, wasn't going to buy in. But he said, well, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to just say, she wants this much money. I'm going to offer her half and then I'm going to offer her to give her half of cash and get the rest on uh, terms. And I'm thinking, I actually said to him, she's never going to go for that. She was very, much I want this much money he said you don't know that don't ever prejudge uh, what the outcome of the deal and I was like I went down there and watched him do exactly what he said he was fearless because he was also 23 or 24 (laughs) but he just offered her she was I want this and he said well how how about if we did this and before I knew it she was just agreeing to everything he said it was like okay lesson learned yeah that that's good to remember right (laughs) don't um don't prejudge. You don't, don't know what they're, going to what they're going to accept until you spit the words out. That's true. Uh, what is it? I think Ron Legrand used to say it, right? Always ask for more than what you expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you get it too. Yeah. And it's great when you do. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, can you share where people can, can reach out to you if they want to talk more or learn more about what you're yeah. doing? The best place is my blog, the Louisville Gals Real Estate Blog.com. And uh, so the, the podcast is, uh, you can find the podcast there. And I have a ton of information over there. I've been blogging a long time. So I have somewhere in the neighborhood of 850 pieces of content. Wow. So <laughs> you can find what, probably whatever you need over there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for, for coming on and sharing and talking about um, kind of what we go through as women in this, in this business and getting our minds right. Well, thank you for having me. I love um, helping people sidestep some of the things that I've come across in more than 20 years. 